This is Front Page. We here at Front Page, we do our best to dig out the truth and bring it to you. Hello, all you freedom-loving people. Welcome to Front Page Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Cameron Goulet. Israel's counterattack on Hamas has entered second phase, which is a surface attack coupled with an attack on the underground tunnels. The most challenging task in this phase is the security of the hostages. No amount of condemnation and appeals to Hamas will be as effective as actually making them afraid, and President Trump is the one who knows just how to do that the best. Mike Pence has decided to withdraw from the race for presidential nominee. It's probably the best thing he could have done under the circumstances. The list of heavyweight Republicans who are supporting President Trump continues to grow. The latest addition is former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development Ben Carson. The new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, has also expressed his full support for Israel. While supporting Israel, he did not forget to push forward the investigation of President Biden. He said, desperate times call for desperate measures. Okay, let's get into it. The Israeli army expanded its military ground operations in the Gaza Strip over the weekend. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said on Saturday that the war against Hamas is entering its second phase. He said this is the second phase of the war which has clear objectives to destroy Hamas and bring our hostages home. Israel sent elite forces into the Gaza corridor on Saturday night to engage Hamas fighters in street battles. Netanyahu said that Israel would destroy its enemies above and below ground. By underground, Netanyahu meant the underground tunnels where Hamas is hiding. Reports indicate that the IAF dropped bunker buster bombs to destroy the Hamas tunnel network. The first warhead of this type of bomb makes a hole, and the second warhead penetrates into the ground and destroys the underground fortifications. At least 100 fighter bombers attacked around 150 underground targets. Some believe that a ground attack would jeopardize the safety of the hostages. But there is also the view that a strong Israeli counterattack will increase the chances of hostages returning home. Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Gallant said that more counterattacks would increase the chances that Hamas would return the hostages. When the Israeli army hits the enemy hard, the enemy is more likely to agree to a settlement in which the hostages are returned. The families of the hostages met with Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu on October the 28th to express their concern that a ground invasion would result in the deaths of the hostages. However, the Israeli cabinet had reached a consensus the day before that the hostage negotiations brokered by Qatar were merely a Hamas delaying tactic. Netanyahu spoke with the families of those hostages held by Hamas and swore to them that he would do everything possible to get their loved ones back. The one piece of good news is that the internet and telephone connections that many had lost as a result of Israel's heavy bombardment of Gaza were restored on Sunday despite intensified strikes by the Israeli military against the besieged enclave by land, air and sea. This allows people with emergency needs to call for help over the phone. President Trump spoke on Saturday. At the Republican Jewish Coalition's annual conference, President Trump promised to deport all of the resident aliens who joined in the pro-jihadist protests. And all of the resident aliens who joined in the pro-jihadist protests this month, nobody's ever seen anything like it. Come 2025, 
We will find you and we will deport you. We will deport you. During his presidency, President Trump has taken the strongest action in history to combat anti-Semitism. He said that when he is re-elected, he will continue to fight against support and sympathy for terrorism. This is a strange thing that's happening in our country. While in office, I took the strongest action of any president in history to combat the vile scourge of anti-Semitism. You know that. I signed a landmark executive order fighting anti-Semitic hate on college campuses and affirming that discrimination against Jewish students will be aggressively punished as a violation of civil rights. And that we didn't have that, if you can believe it. When I get back into office, I will put every single university and college president on notice. The American taxpayer will not subsidize the creation of terrorist sympathizers. He also promised to reimpose a controversial travel ban against extreme Muslim countries when re-elected as president of the republic. As president, I will end once and for all the mass importation of anti-Semitism into the United States. And just as I did before, we will keep radical Islamic terrorists the hell out of our country. We're going to keep them out of our country. We were keeping them out. We were keeping them out. You remember the travel ban on day one. I will restore our travel ban. We had a travel ban because we didn't want people coming into our country who really love the idea of blowing, blowing our country up. Let's blow up our streets and our shopping centers and our people. So I instituted what we call the Trump travel ban, and it was a, uh, an amazing success. It was suspended immediately upon his coming into the country. And I never talked about this for four years. I never mentioned it. We didn't have one incident in four years because we kept bad people the hell out of our country. We kept them out. Indeed, during President Trump's first term in office, the entire world went without war. Although his order to take out Iranian military chief Soleimani with a drone was blamed by the mainstream media for leading to a world war, it had just the opposite effect. Iran didn't even dare make a big deal of it by protesting. It wasn't until Biden came to power that Iran became active again and they funded Hamas to launch the attacks that killed more than 1,400 Israeli civilians in just a few hours. President Trump imposed sweeping entry restrictions on travelers from Iran, Libya, Somalia, Syria, Yemen, Iraq, and Sudan during his presidency in 2017. But the ban was deemed discriminatory against a particular religious group, and it was quickly challenged in court. Biden reversed the ban in his first week in office in 2021. The White House confirmed on Sunday that Hamas is not allowing U.S. citizens and other foreign nationals to leave the war zone as Israel steps up its offensive in Gaza. It is clear that Hamas is planning to use these civilians as human shields in order to bolster its own security. While the White House has condemned Hamas's behavior, generalized condemnation does little to deter such terrorists. But President Trump knows exactly how to strike fear into the hearts of terrorists. When President Trump was negotiating with the Taliban leaders, about withdrawing troops from Afghanistan, he pointed to a satellite photo above the Taliban leaders' houses, and he said, if you pull a stunt, we'll blow it to smithereens. 
This time, President Trump has also issued the sternest warning to Hamas. He said at the conference on Saturday that if you spill a drop of American blood, we will spill a gallon of yours. Perhaps the biggest news at the Republican Jewish Coalition's annual leadership summit in Las Vegas was former Vice President Mike Pence announcing that he was dropping out of the race for the Republican presidential nomination, claiming that this was not his time. But the Bible tells us that there's a time for every purpose under heaven. And traveling across the country over the past six months, I came here to say it's become clear to me this is not my time. So after much prayer and deliberation, I have decided to suspend my campaign for president effective today. Pence announced his campaign in early June. Throughout the campaign, Pence's schedule has been active in letting voters get to know him better, including multiple stops at restaurants. But the overall effect of Pence's campaign appears to have been modest. This includes Iowa, where he has invested most of his energy in which is home to a large number of white evangelicals. With the Iowa primary now more than two months away, Pence's decision saved him from the embarrassment of not getting to participate in the third Republican primary debate on November 8th in Miami. The Associated Press found in August that 57% of U.S. adults have a negative view of Pence, while only 28% have a positive view. Senator Tim Scott said in a statement, The vice president has been a prayer partner, a friend, and a man of integrity and deep conviction. But the former vice president's Waterloo was his handling of the 2020 election results. After that, his popularity among the conservative public went down the drain. Despite his years of connections, Pence was having an equally difficult time wooing donors. According to Pence's latest campaign filing, as of the end of September, Pence had only $1.18 million in bank deposits and $621,000 in debt. The debt figure may have increased in the last month or so, which seems like it would take years for Pence, who is not independently wealthy, to pay off. Pence said, although he left the presidential race, he would never leave the fight for conservative values. Pence's team is expected to continue advocating for policies that he supported on the campaign trail. This includes a push for more U.S. support for Ukraine and proposed cuts to Social Security and Medicare in order to rein in the debt. Those ideas were once pillars of Republican establishment orthodoxy, but the public is now divided over whether to unconditionally support Ukraine. So far, three Republican presidential candidates have dropped out of the race. In addition to Pence, Perry Johnson and Larry Elder also dropped their White House bids. But Pence is the first major candidate to drop out of the race. President Trump told a rally in Las Vegas, Nevada on Saturday, everybody that leaves seems to be endorsing me. You know, people are leaving now and they're all endorsing me. Both Perry Johnson and Larry Elder endorsed President Trump. So will Mike Pence also support President Trump? Personally, I don't think so. He only ran in order to prevent President Trump from being re-elected, but President Trump still suggests that Mike Pence would endorse him. A lot of everybody that leaves seems to be endorsing me. You know, people are leaving now and they're all endorsing me. I don't know about Mike Pence. He should endorse me. 
He should endorse me. You know why? Because, because I had a great, successful presidency, and he was the vice president. He should endorse me. Uh, I chose him, made him vice president. But people, people in politics can be very disloyal. I've never- Dr. Ben Carson, who served as the 17th United States Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under the Trump administration, has given his full endorsement to President Trump. Carson spoke in Iowa on Sunday in support of President Trump's return to the White House. He also spoke at a campaign rally for President Trump in Iowa. He called President Trump my friend, your friend, and a friend of America. When he announced his endorsement of President Trump, the crowd cheered so loudly that he couldn't finish what he was about to say. And as I stand here today, I want to offer my most confident and full endorsement of Donald J. Trump. Carson describes President Trump as someone who has the courage to take on the political establishment. And he says that President Trump is the man who can realize the goal of making America great again. His post on X says, Our nation is in desperate need of strong leadership, a president who fights for the American people, our freedoms, our safety, and our future. Donald J. Trump is that leader, and I am proud to give him my full endorsement for president of the United States today. In his speech at the rally, Carson also referenced one of the founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin, who said that the United States is a republic. Carson said that the way to keep America a republic is to get Donald J. Trump back in power. You know, Benjamin Franklin was asked in 1787 after they finished the Constitutional Convention, sir, what do we have here, a monarchy or a republic? He said a republic if you can keep it. The way we can keep it is we can put Donald J. Trump back in office. Newly elected House Speaker Mike Johnson also participated in the Republican Jewish Coalition's annual leadership summit. He said on Sunday that a standalone Israel aid bill will be introduced in the House this week. I flew last night to Las Vegas and spoke to the Republican Jewish Coalition, as you noted, uh, to, to send a further signal that this is an, a priority for our country and we cannot allow the brutality and the just unspeakable evil that is, that is happening against Israel right now to continue. We're going to stand with our friends. Johnson said in an interview on Fox News' Sunday Morning Futures that while there are many things happening in the world, the current situation in the Gaza Strip is the most urgent. We believe that that is a pressing and urgent need. There, there are lots of things going on around the world uh, that we have to address, and we will. Uh, but right now, what's happening in Israel uh, takes the immediate attention, and I think we've got to separate that and get it through. I, I believe there'll be bipartisan support for that. Earlier this month, the White House asked Congress for more than $105 billion in aid for Ukraine and Israel, as well as other national security needs. But the new speaker is not interested in such a package. He said that he believes that the only bill that would receive bipartisan support in the House and Senate would be a bill to provide aid only to Israel. 
He said, my intention is not to use this for any partisanship political gamesmanship. This is a very serious matter. Johnson himself voted against a number of aid programs for Ukraine over the past year. In the same interview, Mike Johnson also said that he would accelerate the investigation into the corruption of the Biden family. When asked by host Maria Bartiromo whether he intends to allocate the financial resources and human capital that is needed to conduct an in-depth investigation into the Biden family corruption, the speaker began by recognizing the accomplishments of his Republican colleagues. Then he said that legislators have a constitutional responsibility to follow this truth wherever it leads them. We'll see, Maria. You know, I worked on the committees of jurisdiction, and judiciary is one of those. I think our chairmen have done an exceptional job. You've spoken to all of them, Jamie Comer and Jim Jordan and Jason Smith, uh, on oversight and judiciary and ways and means. They've continued those investigations even while we were going through the tumult of the uh, speaker's race. They were still working methodically through that. I'm encouraging that. I think we have a constitutional responsibility to follow this truth where it leads. We're the rule of law team. We don't use this for uh, political partisan games like the Democrats have done and did against uh, Donald Trump twice. We are going to follow the law and follow the Constitution. And I think we, you and I have a suspicion of where that may lead. But we're going to let the evidence speak for itself. And I, I look forward to uh, rolling that out over the coming days and weeks and letting the American people see exactly why we're taking the next steps and where it's headed. So will subpoenas be issued to Hunter Biden? Johnson answered, desperate times call for desperate measures. Um, I'm, I'm looking at that. I, you know, I think that... Uh, Desperate times call for desperate measures, and that perhaps is, is overdue. We've not made a full decision yet. I'm, I'm uh, counseling with the uh, attorneys involved on all of this to see what the contours are. I'm, I'm an attorney myself, so I speak the language. Um, we're trying to move forward on some of this very aggressively. I think the American people are owed these answers, and I think uh, our suspicions about all this, um, the evidence that we've gathered so far, as you, as you, as you know, uh, is, is affirming what many of us feared may be the worst. And, you know, as Jamie Comer likes to say, bank records don't lie. We already have a lot of this evidence. The dots are being connected, and we'll see where it leads. Okay, this is our podcast for today. Thank you again for listening to Front Page Podcast. For more exclusive in-depth content, please go to frontpageshow.com. <laughs>